You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This Friday, your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley! It's anger! Let me at him! Fear! Safety checklist is complete! Disgust! Ew! Ew! Ugh. Sadness is in the house! Oh no! Hello, I'm Anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going! Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters Friday. Get tickets now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome to the Buzz Broadway Podcast. I'm Amanda Harrington. And I'm Sam St. Jean. Each week, with the help of cast albums, film adaptations, and our own memories, we reminisce and relive some of our favorite Broadway musicals. Come listen to two besties booze their way down the great white way on Buzz Broadway. When you're lost and alone and you feel like you need a little lift, when the times are tough and your day has gone adrift, you can always press play on Buzz Broadway. We've got the laughs for when you're blue. Buzz Broadway. Just pour a drink. I need your shoe. So just press play today. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Hello. To the Buzzed Broadway podcast. My name is Sam St. Jean. We already introduced ourselves. I know, I'm just, I'm, I'm reintroducing ourselves again. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I'm Amanda Harrington. There's so many people on our podcast, how would they ever tell? And we are back on the Buzz Broadway podcast, where this week we will be talking about... Grease! Our first high school production together. That's correct. I didn't, I forgot that, but it was our, oh, it was our first. We moved yes, from middle school. I did a year in high school. Amanda's a year younger than me. Um, A year in sure. like 20, uh, no, like, like 300 and... 36 20 days. days or something yeah we're 20 days apart in the month of july yeah i almost said june um but she's a, yeah a year but she was a year behind me in school so i did a year of high school while she was still at the middle school we saw each other in the shows that we did and then uh a, tra- a tragic year it was <laughs> it was a sad year that that year we were apart um but we're back together this year in 2009 when we did this show um, I'm like, not right now. We're in, we're in not right now. Right now we're still in quarantine. But um, coming at you live for the Buzz Broadway podcast. Amanda, what are you drinking this week? Um, I decided to steer away from mimosas because I drink mimosas like it's water. Great, 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 great. So this evening I'm drinking some Sauvignon Blanc. Ooh. Yeah. That's so like middle-aged white woman. Of you. I feel like that's me. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? I am sipping on a, another bourbon Manhattan. I actually smoked this one, which was pretty fun. My dad has like a smoker in the backyard. I'm staying with my parents while we're in quarantine. And so he has these like apple wood chips. So I smoked the glass and then what? put my drink in the glass. That's really yeah. cool. It's really nice. It's good. It's a little watered down because I made it like 45 minutes ago. But <laughs> it'll it'll do the job while we're, uh, while we're recording. Yeah. We got lots to talk um, about this week. So. We have so much to talk about. This is one of my, I think, m- m- like earliest memories of being exposed to, to musicals ever was watching Grease at far too young an age. Of course. I feel like that's, because, I feel like that's so many. Oh 
it? Wasn't it PG? I think it was rated PG. I think the film was. And we will be, just for the kind of overview of, the, of you, all of you listening at home, we will be discussing the film, even though our podcast is called Buzz Broadway and we should be talking about the musical. Right. But I mean, the film has such a great influence on the stage, all the stage productions, aside from the, the very first production of the show. Um, everything, everything except the original production was after the movie. Yeah. The movie. So the movie has such a huge influence on the musical. I feel like it's inevitable to not talk. I feel like it's, it's detrimental to not talk about it. So I was going to ask you, so which synopsis are you going to give? So this is actually, uh, just kind of ripped right off the, uh, the Sam French website, which is now they're not Sam French anymore. they're They're another, they changed their name, the licensing company. Oh, on Wikipedia, it still says Sam French. So. Oh yeah, no, it's not. They're not. They're not. They, it is technically still Sam French, but I think they just changed their name to something else. This is good. I'm glad we're discussing this. I feel like our listeners so, yeah, really yeah. need to know what the licensing they need to know about, company you know, is. How called. they're gonna how they're gonna license their their high school musicals that listen to this. Our one listener is our high school music teacher. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, so let's get into it. Here is Rydell's senior class of 1959, duck-tailed, hot-rotting Burger Palace boys, not T-birds. And their gum-snapping, hip-shaking pink ladies in bobby socks and pedal pushers, evoking the look and the sound of the 1950s in this rollicking musical. Head greaser Danny Zuko and new good girl Sandy Dombrowski, not Olsen, Mm -mm. like Olivia Newton-John's character, tried to relive the high romance of their final year of high school, recalling the music of Buddy Holly, Little Richard, and Elvis Presley that became the soundtrack of a generation. Amen. Pretty pretty exciting, I think, when 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 you put it like that. And it really, it really uh, highlights the fact that the only real plot is whether or not Sandy and Danny are going to get back together. Yep. That's really the only plot point. And it's the, re- the rest of the musical exists just to have a good time. It really does. And right? we always have a good time. I think so. I, I have never had a bad time. Watch. Well, we'll, we'll discuss. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> great. So this show was written... In the 70s, um, it was written by Jim Jacobs, uh, the book was, and the music is by Warren Casey. Jim Jacobs was born October 7th, 1942 in Chicago, and he met Warren Casey when they were doing acting together. And Warren Casey was born in 1935 in New York. But they were doing theater together in Chicago, mm. and they decided to create this, and it started out as a play about high schoolers. Like, the story was the same, and actually the story is based on Jim Jacobs' real experiences in high school. I did see that. Yeah. Um, but for, to be bl- honest, for for lack of a better term, it was almost a satire, the play. Yeah. It was sort of commenting on the behavior of high school students. Right. Um, to be honest, it was difficult to find a lot more about the two of them. Uh, unfortunately, Warren Casey died in 1988 due to AIDS-related complications, mm. which is unfortunate. Um, also, it says somewhere on the internet that Warren Casey was involved in Cats, but I hmm. could not find out how. Gotcha. Or if it was like a credible. Right. I literally looked thing. everywhere and couldn't find out. I couldn't find out how. So that could be false. And then the original show on Broadway was directed by Guy Real and choreographed by Ronna Kay. Hmm. Thanks, Amanda. I don't know who either of them are. No, but... me neither. They did some also, great work. They've look at look at the empire they've created. 
Okay, but did they? Because I know nothing about the original production. <laughs> um, well, let me tell you a little bit about Hit it. Hit it. So it was, um, it did open in Chicago where um, Warren and Jacobs, right? Is that what you said? Warren, Casey, and Jim Jacobs. So Casey and Jacobs. Casey and Jacobs, right. Yeah. Where Casey and Jacobs met and were from. Um, but the score was pretty different. It still, there, there was some music involved, but it was like a totally different thing. Um, a lot of the stories, like you said, were inspired by Jim Jacobs' time in high school. Um, but they used like Chicago landmarks. Like it was right. very much set in the Midwest. And now I feel like it could be the Midwest. It could be... Like there's no real geographical location that says anything to me about where they might be. So it really could be anywhere, I think. Although I feel like the movie, the movie like California feels right somehow because it's like really hot on the first day of school and it never snows. You're so right. And they drive down in the race. They like go through the race, which yeah. we'll talk about. They drive into the um, sun in the sky. So they, they, they fly into, right. They fly into the, the sun. Um, <laughs> no. So, the, so some producers saw this sh- the Chicago production and decided that they wanted to mm-hmm. bring it to New York. Um, Fun fact, the Broadway, the original production of the show was off-Broadway, but they they planned the entire production under high-class Broadway contracts. I saw that, but I didn't... So it's one of the very yeah. few, it's one of the very few shows that was actually off-Broadway but had Tony eligibility because everyone was being paid and treated huh. like Broadway actors. Okay. So the other thing that I found interesting is that they actually moved the production a couple times in New York. So obviously it started downtown at an off-Broadway theater. I think it was the Eden Theater. And then they moved to the Royale um, to open the show. I'm sorry, the Broadhurst. They opened at the Broadhurst. And then they played most of their time at the Royale, which is now the Jacobs Theater, which is right outside of Schubert Alley. Uh, The production opened on June 7th, 1972. Closed January 27th, 1980, after 3,388 performances. They ran for almost eight years, which I think is pretty great. Considering. Yeah. Um, so like I said, they were Tony eligible, but they did not do too well at the Tonys in 1972. Um, they had seven nominations, zero wins, but Follies opened the same year. And so Follies swept several of the categories, um, with the exception of Best Musical, which went to Two Gentlemen from Verona, I think. Yeah. So that's kind of how the original production played out. And then obviously the film hits theaters in the late 70s. And while the production is still running, actually. Yeah. And really just sets the entire oh yeah story of Greece into motion. Obviously, the Broadway production had been successful, which is the reason they thought the movie was going to do well. But this Spoiler, just took it to it another... Did. What? <laughs> Spoiler, the movie did well. Spoiler, the movie did very well. <laughs> um, Fun fact, did you know that... Um, did you know that John Travolta and Jeff Conaway were involved in the original production? They were, you're correct. Jeff Conway was the original Danny Understudy. Yeah. And I think John Travolta was a fill-in for, I'm not sure which character. I don't think it was Danny. Uh, Richard Gere, too. Really? Richard Gere, the famous Hollywood actor. Yeah, was he played Danny at one point. Or maybe Kinnicky? I don't know. All we really do is do a little bit of research, <laughs> kind of get a basic gist of things, and then just kind of We really just want to talk about the movie and our personal experiences, so. I mean, yeah, that's the real deal Thanks here. Thanks for coming. <laughs> But talking through it, so the original production opens in the, in the early 70s. The movie hits theaters late 70s, yeah. sends everything into an absolute tizzy. The show went to London in the early 90s. And then we get, I think, my favorite production of Grease, which is the 1994 revival. revival. <laughs> we know I love a revival. Oh, we never talked about that last episode. 
No, you never told your revival story. Basic gist of things is I am obsessed with revivals of productions, not always their original production. And I, um, in high school, made it very clear that I always wanted to be inspired by the revival of a production rather than the original. Anyway, that's my long story. So we, we get the 94 production, which is, in my opinion, so it has a lot of like new wave influence, and here's why I think that happened. So you have the 50s, and then you have the new wave movement, which was late 70s, 80s, kind of that, like B-52s. It was like a retro 50s, because the 50s had this yeah. weird like space movement. You know what I mean? No. Please expand. There was just like, 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 oh, rockets. Like, we're going to have rockets that go to the moon. And like, I understand. That was like yeah. a very like desirable thing. And then we were, that worked its way up to like 1969 going actually to the moon. Um, but <laughs> in the 50s, it was like, we're going to have flying cars and like everything's going to be made out of chrome, you know? And here we are without it all. So, and here we are in quarantine living like pilgrims. <laughs> um, so, um, <laughs> So, so then the new wave movement happens and that's like 20 years after the fifties. It's like seventies, eighties. Then this nineties production is 20 years after the new wave influence. So my thought process on that is like, A, the new wave and fifties kind of make sense together. But also the 94 production was like the first time that people who saw Grease, the movie as kids could like go see it on Broadway yeah. You know what I mean? So I think that's part of why they put this, like, new wave filter over it. Have you ever seen any videos, like, like Tony performance videos or anything from this production? Absolutely. It is nuts. They turn every single song into a full-blown production number. Rosie O'Donnell plays uh, <laughs> uh, Rizzo. She sure um, does. Uh, Brooke Shields later replaced her as Rizzo. Um, Megan Mullally. Megan Mullally, yes. Marty... Um, it was a really just kind of wild time, but yeah, and every also, production. I don't, I don't know the guy's name who played Danny, but he was Foxy. Oh, good. I think I have it somewhere, <laughs> but now of course I can't remember. Oh, good. He was fine. Good. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah. I, I think that's really important when casting a Danny. <laughs> well, I think Max Crime is very handsome. Me too. I also who, love John Travolta, so we're doing well. And I mean, absolutely. And so, let us not forget Aaron Tveit. <clears throat> ah, that's actually something that I forgot to take some notes on, but we should talk a little bit about the. Uh, that's because it Gre- sucked. about about Grease Live. Oh, I don't think it sucked at all. Really? It is my favorite of the live musicals that have happened in the last however many years. Up. It's my favorite. It's my favorite one. With the Wiz as a close second. Okay, I never saw the Wiz one. The Wiz was good. There were some duds, but you know. Um, no, Grease was my favorite. It was the live audience. It was the fact that, like, everybody knows Grease and everybody loves it. Do you know what? I think it was the first live musical that did, like, they were on the little golf carts between scenes. I didn't love that. I didn't love, like, seeing the behind the scenes. I wish they had done, like, an afterwards, like, a 25-minute special. Yeah. After the show, after the show, where you could see how they did everything backstage. But, um... Yeah, Grease Live, I think my favorite of the live musicals that have come back to NBC and and cable in the last. I also, and I guess this is weird for such a theater lover, like, I hate listening to live audiences. Interesting. I hate it. Like, if you listen to podcasts where it's a live um, Mm. audience, I I always skip those podcast episodes. Have you ever listened to, like, a live cast recording, like Miss Saigon or Les Mis, where they do it, like, live in the room? I don't think listening to it, I think I've watched them, obviously. 
And that, right. That, but yeah, there's like there's like albums of you know Phantom of the Opera. Yeah, that watching those bothers me a little bit less, but because the live shows just are so forced. The audience, like it's. I guess that's true. They're I like they they are they're amping them up. They're giving them swag. Like they're personal, trying to get them to be absolutely yeah, crazy. It's a personal pet peeve. Anyways, I understand that. But yeah, the '94 production really does it for me. It's just like the Grease lovers' Grease. You know what I mean? It's like, it's Grease for the ultimate Grease lover. Yeah, with the hula hoops. Yeah, you're the one. Yeah, uh, 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 we go together. Hula hoops, absolutely. And yeah. Billy Billy Porter just absolutely shredding, uh, the te- yeah. Teen Angel. That is so funny to me. If you watch, I think Seth Rudetsky has a a breakdown on YouTube of him listening to Billy Porter do that number. It's it's <laughs> it's stellar. It's unbelievable. Um, we'll talk about the music in these productions in a little bit. But um, then we get 2007. I call this the purist's grease. It, like, hits all the points from the movie that you wanted to hit, and it hits all the points from the musical yeah. that you wanted to hit. It's just, like, yes. the new production of Grease. Like, this is what Grease is. This is, you know, we're not trying to sell you anything that you didn't want to buy. It is so musical theater. Oh, it's so musical theater. Like, it is, it just... It oozes that, like, flashy, shiny, like... Yes. Um, and out of it, yes. we get through... your Grease, you're the one that I want, airing on, I think it was NBC. I don't know. <laughs> we get Max Crumb and Laura Osnes. Think about that. Like, Laura Osnes has her whole... I mean, and Max, Max too, who's had a, a great career. Um, the two of them get this, like, great career out of this little reality show that they did. Honestly. And if you go back and watch it, like, the other performers were great, too. I know. Imagine. Imagine a world. Imagine. I love I love a good Broadway reality show. Like the road Did you watch any of those other ones? Did you watch the Legally Blonde one? The Road to El Woods, of course. <laughs> that was also later. You're the one that I want was in It was was like two thousand six, two thousand seven. Two thousand nine. Well this was inspired Grease You're the One That I Want was inspired by How Do You Solve a Problem Like Maria, which was a West End television show. Did where Angela Weber Angela Weber, I think, cast um, he either produced it or maybe he was on it, but he cast Maria mm. in the same in the same format. I think one of the two is either Jim Jacobs or Warren Casey was a judge on You're the One That I Want, so they got an OG person. I think that's called. important. I like that totally. So, what did you do when we decided we were going to do Grease? How did you get yourself in the mood? What did you? So, to be completely honest, I started by listening. I can't look at you. I started. <laughs> I started by listening to the revival because I remember in high school. 2007. 2007. Sorry. Got to clarify. Great. 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 Revival number two. I'll never forget in high school, you made me listen to it a bunch because especially the mooning, which is like a really great. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I was obsessed as a, as a kid. I was obsessed with men who could like belt into the stratosphere. Billy Porter. The guy who plays Roger on this this recording, I was like obsessed with like men who could just belt high and high and high and high. I'm still I was like obsessed. a baritone in high school, and then I was kind of became a tenor in college, and now I'm back kind of to baritone land. But yeah, and then it also has Lindsay Mendez, who's just one of my favorite uh, performers ever. Um, of course. So I started with that. Someone just compared someone just compared Amanda to Lindsay Mendez on Instagram, which I very much agreed with. I appreciate that so much. <laughs> I'd play all of her roles in a heartbeat, except for Elphaba. I don't want to do that ever. Anyways. 
<laughs> I don't want to break my voice more than it already is broken. So then I rewatched the movie and literally just had the best time by myself. It is oh my so god, it's fun. the most fun. So that's how I did it, and I can't wait to like. Did you rewatch it? I did. I rewatched the okay. film um, first just to kind of bring myself back. And then I listened to the 2007, the 94. Yeah, I also, I listened to 1994 too, because you told me to. Um, mm-hmm. And it was great. There's also, a, there's it's new songs in there. That, absolutely There's bonkers. songs in there that I don't think I've ever heard. <clears throat> Since I Don't Have You. That and Grease Lightning Reprise? Rosie O'Donnell? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a weird thing. She did it at the Tonys too. Rizzo's like, I'm not going down on you in this car. Uh, <laughs> That's the whole song. Not not only because I'm a lesbian, but but also because. <laughs> oh, Rosie. Yeah. So I listened to I listened to the cast recordings. I did listen a little bit to the original, which is very kind of um, rockabilly kind of podunky rock music. Yeah. But I also just had a great time. I think. Like we said earlier, this is one of those first movie musicals that I watched at far too young an age, like I said, because the subject matter too. And and I think that you think that the musical is going to yep. be a little bit better, and it is. You don't have like Rizzo and Kinnicky like almost having sex in a car like they do unless, in the movie. Unless you're at Gosson High School's production of Grease in 2009. But anyways. What happened there? You don't remember them making out on the bench? She... She straddled him on the bench. Oh, you're right. There was I a lot. Anyways, forgot about that. We could talk about that later. There was a lot of misdirection in our production. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that vividly. I also, oh my god, I f- totally forgot about that. But yeah, there's there's a line a line about uh, Sunny helping Sandy find used balloons, and I'm doing air quotes around that. She's like looking for leaves with Eugene and he's like, those aren't leaves. They're used balloons. Oh yeah. There's all, there's so many jokes that I literally just understood while watching it the other day. Absolutely. Absolutely. And think about like five-year-old me or like five-year-old you sitting and watching this being like, oh my God, it's so much fun. I can't wait to be in high school. Also, we have to get that. We have to get this elephant out of the room. Every production of Grease casts people who are far too old to be in high school. So this is going to (laughs) be... This is my this is my game uh, for you. It's a quick little trivia. It's called okay. Guess What Age This Actor Was in the Movie. <laughs> Are you ready? I'll just start with like Okay, I'll do okay, like, I'm ready, I'm ready. How old do you think I John am. Travolta was? You can't look it up. Okay. I'm not. I'm not. I think he was thirty two. Wow, very high number. No, he was only twenty four. Oh, really? He was much younger, yeah. Wow. His his he looks older. Face would not tell me that. No. <laughs> no offense, John. A lot of them listening. look a lot older than they actually are. <laughs> Thanks, John Travolta, <laughs> if you're listening to our podcast. Um, who should I do another one? Oh, how old was Kelly Ward, who played Putsy? Oh, he's got to be pretty young. He's got a baby face. I'm going to guess he was 19. 22. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm wow. He, pretty older sure than, he was the Older than he looks. He, when I was actually watching it and I was thinking about all their ages, Ke- uh, Kelly was the one that I was like, oh, he actually looks like he could yes. be in high school. All right, my last one. Also, I think the cutest out of all of them. Oh my God, he's so cute. The little blonde. And right, so innocent. One. He's trying so hard to, anyways. How old was Stockard Channing? Who played Oh, I, kn- I know she wasn't like 40 years old, but I want her to be like 40 because she absolutely <laughs> looks. Um, she was the oldest. Uh, 34. 
Yes. 34. 34. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that, I swear. She was 34. She was the oldest. The second oldest was Olivia Newton-John, who was 30. She was, wait. Oh, okay. Wow. And John was 24? Yeah. So, I have to go back. Out of, like, the top, the 10 lead cast members, mm-hmm. um, Marty, Dina Manoff, was 22, and the guy played Putsy was 22. Kelly Ward. Yeah. So, they were the youngest of them, but I'm pretty <clears> sure, <throat> do you remember the jock? The one who dates Sandy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't remember his name. I think he was 20, which means he was 10 years younger than Olivia Newton-John while they were filming that. Love that. I love that, too. She, she though, looks beautiful oh, in the yeah. movie. She is absolutely stunning the whole way through. She doesn't... There's not a moment yeah. where she is not visually... All of them, really. It's a very good-looking cast, in my opinion. Yeah. Also, sorry, side note. I had never realized that the guy who's the head of the Scorpions... His nickname was Craterface? Yeah, they call him Craterface because he has bad acne. I had never realized that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's messed up. Poor guy. There's some, there's some, there's some zingers in the movie. Are, okay, so do you have any, like, favorite moments from the movie that you want to talk about? Oh, God. Well, I remember watching, so I was a huge, like, um, my siblings and my friends used to get mad at me when we would watch movies because I always wanted to watch the bonus features. Bonus track. Bonus track. Ooh, spooky. <laughs> nice title of little title of show reference for all of you tossers out there. <laughs> so I loved bonus features, and I loved listening to Pat Birch, who's the original choreographer, who's the choreographer for the film. She just talks about mm. how electric she wanted the movie to feel. She wants all the production numbers to feel. There's actually a part right when the dance, when Hound Dog starts at the dance in the movie. The act, everybody on set is is moving so much that the camera actually starts to shake. If you go back and watch the shot, the camera shakes because everyone's moving so much. It's wild. And that was something that they wanted to like keep in the movie was just the fact that like those dance scenes and they, they talk about them in the bonus features too. They were like, we felt they were like, the music was blasting. There were cameras everywhere. She's like, and we were just living our best lives. I think it's Dee Dee Khan who plays Frenchie who talks about it. She's like, it was just electric to be there and to be in that room. And I think too, when I was rewatching it, like the minute that summer, that summer nights really kind of took shape, like it starts kind of slower, but the minute that it really starts to amp up, I was getting like so into it and so excited. And that happens in every production number in the show. Grease Lightning, uh, We Go Together, they are all, you're the one that I want. When Sandy's revealed as bad, quote unquote, bad Sandy, it's amazing. It's, it's, it's thrilling. How about you? What what were your, what were your like big points for rewatching the movie? I was doing the hand drive in my house by myself. So... Because it's a great freaking number. Literally, one thing I wrote was the dancing is even better than I remember. Um, oh, it's unreal. I wanted to talk about, first of all, you probably already know this, but Olivia Newton-John couldn't fake an American accent. So they rewrote it so that she was <laughs> from Australia and had to move. I didn't know that. Yeah. They had wanted her to be American at first? Yeah, they tried, but she could not do it. That's amazing. From I want to write a documentary called From Dombrowski to Olsen. I love that. <laughs> She's not really, but um, no, I think that's imagine. great. And then, like we sometimes you and I talk about things that age well and don't age well. Like obviously, the, oh please, obviously the ending of this show isn't the best moral. Here's the thing, though. Here's what I actually want to talk about. This hit me. I everybody says that they're like, oh, she has to change for Danny, and then they get together. So here, here's the thing. I do not think that this show has a bad ending. I don't think that the ending of this show is misogynistic in any way. I think that the, I think it is 
unfortunate the way that things happen because it leads people to think that it's misogyny. But in the stage production and in the film, Danny reveals that he is going to become a jock. Yeah. He's got the he, Letterman sweatshirt. He yeah. does. So here's the thing that I think is important about this story that any that I think that anybody who does Grease in 2020 and beyond needs to really make the audience aware of is that both Danny and Sandy are willing to change for each other. They're both resistant at first. Mm-hmm. Like, and it, it literally could be something as simple as like Sandy putting her sweater back on instead of her, the leather jacket or like Danny keeping the Letterman sweatshirt on for the last scene of the show. Like it's just like a little visual cue to show like they're both willing to change for each other. But when they both realize that they're, maybe Danny doesn't wear his hair greased in the last scene or something, or maybe Mm. he wears like a pair of plaid pants instead of his like tight black jeans. (laughs) But no, no, but you know what I mean? Like something to amp up. Cause I do think the disadvantage you have in the movie is that Sandy's transformation is so dramatic and Danny's transformation is very minimal. You're so right. And he's But that's also his... like that's also a man and a woman. Like a woman's gonna get more in the dolled 70s. up than a in in the seventies when the film right and then in the right. But also Danny takes off his letterman jacket because he's like, Oh, I don't need this anymore. She's gonna right. change for me. And that's... Sandy can't just get rid of her perm. You're so <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. That's totally an but that's, I think, thing. that's, I think, a huge missed connection that a lot of people fall under when they rewatch the movie or when they do the show. They're like, oh, I don't like that Sandy has to change for Danny and that Danny doesn't have to do anything. I think there there is ample opportunity to tell a version of this story where they're both, by the end of the show, saying, I'm willing to change who, you, who I am to be with you. And then they both realize, I don't need to change anything about myself. No, they because they love each other. you love me just the same. Exactly. But I do think that rewatching it at first glance, it does look a bit like outdated. <laughs> and I think yeah. there are a lot of, there's a lot of lines and the scene where uh, Putsy, who in the film, in the, in the musical version is Roger, of course, is looking up the girl's skirts on the bleachers. He's like, so cute and innocent. Of... <laughs> but there's all him. sorts of things. Uh, uh, who is it? Is it Sunny? Or no, it's Kanicki when he when he flips up Patty Simcox's skirt at the dance, like wildly mm-hmm. inappropriate. Like that yeah. would result in like definitely suspension, but a questionable expulsion in 2020. Like oh, lots of it. If a kid did that at a dance, he would he would face a possible expulsion from the school. Like that is so. Mm-hmm. But also being pain. being a former teacher, I have to say that a lot of their behavior is still pretty common. I, you're not incorrect, I suppose. Like, Rizzo being like, when he's like, no, inappropriate dancing. Rizzo goes, that leaves us out. Like, <laughs> That's something we would have said, like, as a joke in high school. But I know As a kids, joke, but it's so not a joke. <laughs> but I know kids, right, that would have been like, absolutely not. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? 
I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I was just going to say another thing that I have such mixed feelings about. For personal okay. reasons and for not personal reasons. Like, Vince Fontaine and Marty is <laughs> is just so... For those who don't know... Oh, we never said this, but for those who don't know, Amanda played Marty in our high school production oh, yes. of Grease. I played Duty. But anyways, Vince says, like, do your parents know that I come into your room every night? Mm. And I'm I just know. like, oh, <laughs> he, he is an adult and she's just like, also she's supposed to be a senior in high school and he's like right <laughs> she's sticking out her chest and like dancing and just making her boobs pop and i was just like but okay but here's the thing i also think that they have some of the best chemistry out of <laughs> anyone in the movie dinah manoff is so good in this movie oh my god she's, so, she's good. so stunning i just loved her i love but the I line just... where she when she turned when when uh Sandy's at the sleepover and she's like, oh, yes. I'm feeling sad about Danny. And she goes, honey, take one of mine. <laughs> That's one of my favorites too. <laughs> I'm an excellent pen pal. <laughs> uh, but those were my biggest, like I literally wrote so much about Vince Fontaine. Also, sad to say, Ed Burns, who played Vince Fontaine, just died. When? He died January 8th. Oh, wow. Of this year? Yeah. Nuts. Well, unfortunately, we're so. thinking of you, Ed Burns, Vince Fontaine. Honestly, Vince Vaughn, he was handsome. He was very handsome. He was very good looking in this film. I feel like I also would have been very attracted to him when I was 17. There is something, I did absolutely no research on this, but there is something about, I'm so glad that I did no research for this podcast (laughs) um, and that I'm advertising it. There is something about the teachers, about Mrs., her name's not Mrs. Lynch in the movie, but it is in the musical. The principal and the assistant principal. There is something about them. Secretary Blanche Hoddle. (laughs) Why do you know that? So here is a fun fact actually about the the principal and the secretary. Um, so Eve Arden, famous actress, uh, who has reached her peak success in the 1950s, and Dodie, uh, Dodie Goodman, who was also very popular in the 50s, they are both like television celebrities from the 50s who they brought into the movie to hearken back some of those uh, feelings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so uh, uh, Eve Arden played a character named Miss Brooks who was a high school principal on this or a high school teacher on this television show so they use the two of them to kind of bring back some of that flavor so that people watching the movie that were watching television in the 50s had some of those feelings kind of fresh back to them i love that i thought that was a cool little factoid that i definitely knew right now and uh did not have to research while we were recording this episode you know if we had producers or someone who would sponsor (laughs) us they could chime in and be like uh sam actually it's you're right. A, a, like a live fact checker. We, that would be great. We are hiring a volunteer <laughs> to do the work for us. Um, to get Zoom for us and just uh, do all the do all I had something else to tell you that's really funny. Yes. So if you look up on a really great website that's so accurate called Wikipedia that I use for everything. Amazing, amazing. Um, they describe all the characters. And it, I don't have it written down, but one of them is like Jan. A member of the Pink Ladies and a fan of 
Ipana toothpaste. <laughs> Jan, a quirky member of the Pink Ladies with a liking for Ipana toothpaste. Like, because that's I what's right so here. important about her role. <laughs> I loved that. Okay, and then the last thing I want to tell you about the movie before we move on to our next segment. Unless you have something else to add. But Mm-mm. the song we go together at the end. And I don't know if this is just me having never noticed anything in my life. Do you hear the chipmunks at the end of the song? Um, they like augment the recording. There's like, boom, boom, boom. Oh, I can't sing it, but there's like, no, oh no, no, no. They sing, and I feel like I could sing this. I'm just gonna do it for you, anyways. They sing the ooh, ee, ooh, ah, ah, oh, yeah, yeah. ching, ching. Yeah, yeah. How did I never notice that? Uh, I don't know. I had a huge revelation last night. Walla walla bing bang. Ooh, ee, ooh, yes. ah, ah, ching, ching. Walla walla bing bang. Yeah. You've always known that. I sang it in high school. Are you freaking kidding me? No, I would do, um, I don't know if we're allowed to do this either, but I did the, ooh. Yeah, I remember that. And then I switched to the, ooh, ee, ooh, ah, ah. But that wasn't in the music, was it? It sounds like no. the chipmunks. It is. Well, like, it isn't, but, like, it's, yeah, they augment the, 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 the vocals. I'm happy you discovered that. Well, I'm mad that you already knew that. <laughs> Let's move on. Um, another little fun fact for you, just before we totally leave the movie. Did you know that Olivia Newton-John, for the very last scene of the movie, had to be sewn into her pants because there was no closure on it, and they wanted them to be as tight as possible, so they literally, <laughs> the costume designer sewed her into the pants so that she um, looked as sexy as possible. Wait, shut up. And, uh, Did they film so it she, like, couldn't, in one day? She couldn't pee. They, I, I think so, and if they didn't, they like had to seam rip her out and put her back in the next day. But Well, she looked sexy. So yeah. well done. And that's like a real, also a real um, like fun house that they rented to film that scene in. That was another thing I wanted to say was where was our carnival at graduation? <laughs> Just out of curiosity. Well, here's, here's, and that's actually leads me great into our next, um, our next little segment is I want to talk about the music. I want to talk about the songs because that is the biggest thing that changes from version to version of this, uh, For of sure. this show. Okay. So I need to get this out of the way. I do not think that Grease, the song, should be in any production of the show. What? I think that Grease, the song, is way too 70s. It's written by Barry Gibb. But it's so good in the 2007 revival. It is so good. It should be like an encore after the curtain call, do a big production number, and do it at the end. If If the song Grease had been a credit song, like you know how that's popular now? Like, someone will write a song and have it be, like, the credit song of a movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, if Grease had been a credits song, it never would have been as popular as it is. It's a great song, don't get me wrong, but but it it has no place in the musical for me. That's so great. I totally disagree. <laughs> when I was listening to it and watching clips from the 2007 revival, it got me so into it with all the different colored lights behind the greasers. And then they come out and then the girls come out and their harmonies were tight. I was just sold. Sold. I'm very happy for you, but unfortunately we will have to agree to disagree. Okay, well that's... I think it's a great... I do think it's a good opening number. Like I think it sets the mood because it... You have like the prologue in the movie and that's what everyone's... I think the reason we're talking about the movie so much is because when people go to see the stage show, oftentimes they're expecting to see the movie on stage. So I don't feel as bad talking about the movie so much. Right, because when you go to see the stage production, you're like, wait... Why is Rizzo... The alma mater and the alma mater parody. Why is Rizzo going to prom with Danny? Right. Exactly. That's another plot point I want to discuss. Um, What the hell is the high school hop? 
<laughs> Actually, my favorite, one of my favorite numbers in the show that's not in the movie. It's High School Hop. A great song. Anyways. It's a wonderful act two opener. Um, but yeah, I get that it, I get that it amps people up. I get that it's the first thing that reminds them of the movie. But I think that starting the show with the alma mater as written and then doing the parody gets you in the right mood for like, because yeah, like the, like the T-Birds or the Burger Palace Boys, as they're formerly known, and the Pink Ladies, they are like the bad kind of almost cool kids, but they're very anti-establishment. Like they're very, we're not the cool kids. We're not the, the good kids mm. because we're, we're cool because we're not the, the popular kids. You're so right. They're, Does that make sense? Yeah. Like Patty Simcox is the cool cheerleader and like in reality, she probably was very popular. Oh, agreed. But I we think watched that the yeah, movie so from... people forget. Yeah, we watched the movie from their perspective. So Patty Simcox Oh, they must so be the popular annoying. kids. Right, right, You're right. so right. So I think seeing the alma mater and then the alma mater parody and then I think Summer Nights being like the official opening number of the show that really explodes the story, I think is a better storytelling technique. Okay. I think the movie got the placement of Look at Me, I'm Sandra D. correct. I don't like where it is in the musical. Same. I think it belongs at the slumber party. Yep. And I think that that's a better reason for Rizzo to... Does Rizzo sneak out of the slumber party in the movie? I, I mean, in the play? I don't think so. All I remember from the play is, it's Freddie My Love at that point. Right. But I think doing... I think having two numbers at the slumber party is okay. Because we get there pretty fast. I was watching it and yeah. I was like, oh, wow. I feel like in the movie, so much else happens before they get to that slumber party. Yeah, I don't remember... Because the- they have, like, the... They have the bonfire in the... That's another thing, too, that I was watching the movie and I was like, how is this... Like they, it, it's almost as if the first day of school, summer nights and the bonfire are on the same day, but they couldn't possibly be. Why not? Like some of the, some of the, because how does Sandy learn all that, all those cheerleading calls bef- by that time of day? I thought about this too, but I, I imagine <laughs> her first day of school was on Monday. I imagine somehow she didn't run into Danny all week in this bonfires on Friday. Interesting. That's the way but I in interpret the musical, it. In the musical, she does meet him on the first day of school, which I think is great. Yeah, it makes way more sense because it can't be that big right. of school. It's a high school. And also in the musical, it's not, I don't think it's, I don't think it's graduation by the end of the year, by the end of the show. No, it is because um, two of the boys fail and then the coach is like, I'll see you guys at summer school. In the, in the, in the musical? Nope, the movie. Anyways. I think I think that the musical might take place over the course of like a couple weeks. I guess I don't really know. I don't have the book and the script in front of me. But anyway. Why don't I, I just like scripts anymore? I like the way that, <laughs> I like the way that the timeline is set out in the in the the timeline in the, the timeline in the musical makes more sense, but I know that in the movie, starting it on the first day of school and ending it on the last day of school makes for an enjoyable movie watching experience. We go together, one of the worst Act 1 finales of all time. Also, isn't it the opening in the 1994 revival? There's a So the alma mater in the 1994 revival is a giant choral arrangement of We Go Together. Which I dug. I watched the Tony performance and I was like... <laughs> we Yeah, it literally we like is these giant to... fat like eight note chords the whole time. Oh, I loved it. Living for um, it. I just don't think it's like anything goes and anything goes. It, like it peaks the show too early for me. Yeah, I get that. It doesn't make like, I, and I also want the whole the whole um, the whole cast to be on stage for it. And in the musical, it's only like the seven of them. It just doesn't do. Yeah, it for because me. like then, Sandy disappeared or whatever, and she runs away from yeah because she's mad at Danny. And then Danny's like, Rizzo, you want to go to the dance with me? And she's like, Okay, I'm a hoe. But that's okay. Yes. 
You know what? Okay Two in the movie, they never like really talk about Danny and the Rizzo's past, but clearly, but they have history. But clearly, there's history. Right. Exactly. Like when when um, Kaniki picks her up at the sleepover, he's like, "No, I don't do the sloppy seconds," and like, there's like wicked tension between them, and I'm like, I don't really get it. Also, because she's 34 and is like ten a, a years actress, older. Ah. <laughs> I love high school. Uh, but then I think the musical completely redeems itself with Shaken at the High School Hop as the X2 opener. I think it's a great opening number for a show. Oh my god. I mean, for, a, for a, a second act. It just starts things off exactly how you want them to be. It's so high energy. It's so over the top. It's just a blast. Every act two opening needs that energy. It Agreed. brings you Did right you back. know, real quick, did you know that the London production in 93 opened with Sandy? What? Like the song Sandy. I have no clue why. I can't find any credit, like um, credibility on it. But I'm fairly, I have reason to believe that the London production opened with Sandy. What? I don't know. I also have never been able to watch that scene in the movie without watching only the driving clip behind. I never watched John Travolta. Oh, of like the popcorn and the hot yeah, dog dancing? That's really all I ever Absolutely. care about. Absolutely. It's, it's. It's better. Wait, can I say something really quickly while we're on this? Please. Please, please, please. I also wanted to mention that during the song Sandy, or right before, Sandy, you know, throws the door in him and runs away because he like tries to touch her boob. And he says, Sandy, you can't just walk out of a drive-in. And my mother always said to me, Amanda, if a man ever does this to you, you absolutely can walk out of a drive-in. <laughs> And that is something I will never forget. So I'd like to take a moment to thank my mom, teaching me. Thank you, Michelle morals, Harrington. Because men can't and get that's away. That's why with you that. felt so uncomfortable about lying to the cops in 2000. That's a story for another time. <laughs> we'll share that. What was that during a show? I think it was during Greece. No, it was definitely my sophomore year because I remember that. Anywho, I just really needed to mention that because my mom no, taught I love me it. such well, good I think things. No, I love it. Well, I think the reason that people feel that way, I think I think the reason that people have that reaction is because it's a laugh line. Yeah. But I just think it's, I think it's poorly delivered because it should be, you can't just walk out of a drive-in because then it would be called a walk-in. I get it. That's funny. I never got that. <laughs> I don't think it's ever pretty, I don't think it's ever well delivered. No. But I think the joke there is that you can't just walk out of a drive-in. It's no. a drive-in. Like, you can, you can walk out of a drive-in, but I think he's trying to get her to not leave. Listen, I learned a really important story, though, is that men shouldn't take advantage. A man. Correct. Um, finishing off this little set list segment, yep. I really like It's Raining on Prom Night, but I just think yeah. it slows down. I just think it slows Act 2 down. Is it the second number in Act 2? It's the second song. It goes Shaking at the High School Hop, and then it always kind of changes in some productions. It's Cha-Cha who sings it. In the 2007 revival, it was Lindsay Mendez as Jan, because she has a beautiful voice, and des- it deserved to be showcased yeah. more than it did. Um, uh, but I think... So here was the, the, the kind of... I was going to kind of wrap it up with saying that the three songs from the film that I always want to be in the musical are Hopelessly Devoted to You, You're the One That I Want, and Sandy. I think that Alone in a Drive-In Movie, which is the replacement for, which is the the original, quote-unquote, Sandy, yeah. um, is good, but it's, like, too silly. It's very to actually silly. Show that, to actually show that Danny really cares about her. And then Hopelessly Devoted to You is just, I think, such a gorgeous song. Yeah. And the way that they, the way that they framed it in the, in the most recent revival is really nice. Sandy actually 
gets dressed and goes to the dance right as Danny is leaving with Cha-Cha. Huh. So she sings Hopelessly Devoted to You, saying, like, I got all dressed up to come see you here, and you're at the dance with... You were supposed to go with Rizzo, and now you're here with somebody else. Right. And I came to see you. What I That's another thing that I really like about that production, is that Danny and Sandy are together before the show. They break up when they think they're going to be separated. But the movie has just a lot of on-again, off-again energy from Danny and Sandy, but I like in the, in the most recent revival, they are together before the show starts. They're separated, and they stay separated until the end. She yeah. tries to give him, like, a date. She she goes on the date with him at the drive-in. Mm-hmm. She's, like, trying to give him a chance, but she, he only gets one yeah. chance. And then she's she's broken up with him again until the very end of the show. Which I like that kind of... It feels a little less wishy-washy. Yeah. Um, another song that I, I really enjoy, but I just don't think... I don't think we have time for it, is Rock and Roll Party Queen. A bop. I think it's fun. It's a bop, but I just think it needs to... It just slows down Act 2. I, I, I want to get... I always want to get to Worst Things I Could Do Sooner. Hmm. Also, in my opinion, a bit of an undeserved moment for Rizzo. Rizzo deserves way more than she gets in all the productions. Well, no, I feel like it's, I feel like that song, she doesn't deserve to get to sing it. I always feel like Rizzo should be played so much meaner, so much more harsh than she is. I feel like she's always like, oh, this is just the way I am. Like, no, I think Rizzo is like an insecure woman, a girl. Yeah. She was not 34. Who's not 34. (laughs) Who's thriving on being able to put other people down and be the kind of queen bee of her clique. Well, yeah. And we have to remember, too, the movie, it's it's not about Sandy necessarily. Like, it is, but it isn't. But in the musical, she sings it directly to Sandy. Correct. Yeah. So it's like... Well, because I think Sandy is the person who challenges her the most. Yeah. And that's why she acts out against her so much. And she's saying, like, look, I have this reputation, but that's not really who I want to be. And I don't, I don't do this because I'm afraid of showing, like I I act this way because I'm afraid of showing emotion and getting hurt. And so I always want, I always want Rizzo to be angrier and a little bit more jaded throughout the whole show. I want her to be a little bit uh, more antagonizing to the rest of the characters. She really is like the villain of the story, if you want to put it like that. Yeah. If, yeah, I guess so. You know what I mean? You, I think if you frame her more as a villain, then you get more emotional relief out of her singing worse right. than Right. I mean, do. the villain's not Eugene, because he does no harm. <clears throat> no. Oh, my God. Eugene, get, uh, my he's the real love interest of Greece so for too. me. If we're being honest. Um, Let's take a break, because I have to pee so bad. Great. Go pee. Here's a word from our sponsor. Amanda, who are your honorable mentions from your Grease rewatching experience? Who is she? I'm going to go with Dodie Goodman, a.k.a. Secretary Blanche Hoddle. She was so great. Like, her, her sense Hysterical. of humor, her, oh my gosh. If it were a snake, it would have bitten me. And her standing in front of the band at the dance, like, just, like, singing it to herself. She nails it. Her comedic timing is just brilliant and i loved her so much oh great 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 great, great, cool, great. cool cool uh, my honorable mentions in every production the movie and the show and the musical alike uh the supporting characters they get all the fun and they have no responsibility to carry the very light plot of oh show. hell yeah they have the most fun i'm talking duty i'm talking roger i'm talking sunny i'm talking marty i'm talking frenchy and i'm talking who am i forgetting jan We'll talk about this later, but this is probably one of the most fun shows I've ever been in because it was just... it was pretty thrilling for me. That was, I think, yeah. yeah. 
All right, we got who, to dance and goof off. Who wins the Who wins the show for you? For me, in the movie, it was Barry Pearl who plays Duty. <laughs> You're annoying. I know <laughs> I'm not annoying. I loved him so much. He was so endearing. Like in the dance when he's counting steps because he doesn't know what he's doing with Frenchie. I just think he's so cute. And side note, he was in the Grease Live as Mr. Weaver, whoever the frig that is. I was very happy for him. I just fell in love with him. I thought he was so cute and his acting was just brilliantly done. Amazing. Well done, Barry. Like a beautiful blonde pineapple. But... That's one of his good lines. But the way the way he delivers it. Yeah. For unfortunately, he has not done much else. <laughs> I think he was in an episode of Even Stevens. Oh, we love Even Stevens. Disney, if you're listening, we're looking for a sponsor. My winner's the audience. You have so much fun. You don't have to go and sit and listen to the plot. You know that Danny and Sandy are gonna wind up together. You get to go to the theater for two plus hours and have a fun time. That's my winner for Greece is the is the audience. Do you want to talk a little bit about when we did this show? I only have a few memories, but nothing. I just have to say that one of my favorite parts of all theater I've ever been in, any show I've ever been in, was standing backstage after the alma mater, uh, all of the greasers and the pink ladies, the um, burger hot boys, whatever they're called. What are they called? Tea, tea burgers? Burger, burgerman. I hate you. <laughs> what are they called? Burger Palace Boys. I was so close. Okay. The Burger Palace Boys and the Pink Ladies, we were all standing in front of like the red curtain backstage or behind it. And it opened with all of our backs to the audience. And I remember getting amped up so much before the curtain opened and being like, this is like, this is our show. Yeah. Like this that's what I mean. The, these these characters, and it was just the eight of us. I don't think that Sandy or Danny were yeah. in that group with us because those supporting characters hold the show together. It is so much fun. It, I just remember, and also we have to remember, I was a freshman. Right. It was your first like big. It was my show. first show, and it was such a big deal to me to like stand. It was just the fact that I was standing behind the curtain, and it opened with me on stage. That felt yeah. so huge to me. Definitely. The staging of the show, the staging of our production, I think, was good. I do want to point out, we had a new choreographer at our school this year. <clears throat> she was a new she was a new staff member at our high school the year that we did Grease. Um, and so she didn't really know how things worked at our school. And I will say there was a little bit of disorganization. But I think the, the thing that I remember the most is that there were numbers of the show that were not ready until, like, the Monday before we opened. And we opened because- on, like, a Thursday. I think this is the hardest dancing we did in any of our high school shows. I would agree. She really pushed us. I think she wanted to come in hot so that she um, could kind of oh, establish herself. She straight up kicked us out of rehearsal one day. She did. Why was that? Why did she kick us out? She was pissed off. But listen, we love her so much now. Like, Oh, absolutely. She's become somebody who I've actually been able to collaborate with yeah. as a professional now, which is great. Yeah. Um, I feel like I should tell the story about opening night. When I hadn't really gotten, so I played Marty. I hadn't really gotten a lot of direction. Ah, uh, 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 mm, I know the story. Mm, I was one. confused, but now I know. <laughs> I, 
I hadn't really gotten a lot of direction on how Marnie and Vince Fontaine were supposed to uh, neck, as you would say in the 50s. <sighs> so me and the guy who played Vince just slammed up against um, the proscenium. And is that the right word? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Amazing. And just kind of like <laughs> fake one at it. And I remember listening. That was not the point of the scene either. The scene was like about the dance. There was no, you were supposed to like, you were supposed to be noticed when you, when everybody looked over at Vince. Right. But but it very much pulled, it very much pulled focus for a lot of the scene. A hundred percent. But in my defense, and I will take this to the grave. I loved our directors. Still love you guys. But no one ever gave us any direction. And so it was awkward for them. And so me and him just kind of like went at it. And then there's another um, there's another moment in the show in the in this same production where something similar happened during the park scene where uh, Rizzo and Kanicki are supposed to be exactly, canoodling, exactly. and the actor playing Rizzo just decided that she was gonna straddle the actor who played Kanicki and uh, uh, maybe kind of ride him a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> These are also this is also an actor who dro- <laughs> the actor playing Kanicki also one day in rehearsal dropped the actor who was playing Rizzo flat on oh grass. My God. And she looked up at him, and all he had to say for himself was, uh, "We changed the choreography." We so she remember- was out of the. That was another thing too. She was like, that was another reason that, that slowed down our process. Is she was out of rehearsals for like I think a week because she had yeah, a concussion. Yeah. Also, we also had another same- dancer get injured during yeah. Grease Lightning. We had an injury that wasn't even. A, she was like the assistant choreographer, and she got injured showing Danny what he was going to do in the number. Like it was just, there was just some, uh, there were just some safety hazards. This is also the same high school who performed cabaret. So, uh, you're correct. They did they did do cabaret like a, like a very close retelling of the Sam Mendes cabaret in, like yeah. about three years before we did Greece. Let us not forget that this high school has no boundaries. I'm forever grateful for it. Absolutely, but they did uh, push the yeah. envelope a little bit. I fell I fell flat on my ass during a performance. Do you remember that? No. Uh, the act, I, so I played duty, if you don't remember from what I said earlier in the, in this episode, but, uh, we had some pretty, it felt really intricate, but I am sure that it wasn't as serious as we, as we remember it to be, but we did some like simulated swing dancing where like I would put like, like, uh, Frenchie on my back and like spin her around. And I, I, I ended with her cradled in my arms and I was supposed to back up, like back into the crowd and I lost track of my footing and fell with her like on top of me. There were so she many was fine, things. which was the point. But yeah, I fell flat on my flat on my ass. I I remember doing crazy dances too, things I would never be able to do now. Like the guy who Absolutely played not. Sonny, who I danced with, like swung me around his waist. Yeah, threw, basically threw me in the air. I did the same thing with, uh, with Frenchie. And you were like. Tiny. A little, a little man. <laughs> I'm still a little man, but a That's little bigger. That's wild. A little bigger man. Um, I also just remember the, like, the audience just having a great time. Like, it was just a blast for everyone that came to see the show, for everyone in the show. It was a fun time. I remember getting to say, son of a bitch, on stage. And that Felt was a so cool for you, really huh? big moment for me. 100%. Amazing. Granted, this was right after Company, where I yelled, like, you goddamn cockroach. Right, yeah, let's, uh, you, you're all in for a treat when we talk about company for the first time. Are we, are we going to? I think we just have to mention it every episode, because I mentioned it last episode, too. Did you? It's, yeah, it we was just a have big... to mention it. 
We just have to mention it every <laughs> episode. Right. It is a big part of our lives. We are contractually obligated to mention Amanda's 14-year-old portrayal of Kathy and company <laughs> at least once an episode. But I honestly, and I said this earlier, I honestly think if I could do a show for the rest of my life, this is one of the three I think wow. I would do over and over again. One, I was in the best shape of my life. We are picture. We are there are pictures of Amanda and I from this time, and oh we are both gosh. pretty skinny. I've never been like skinny, skinny, but I was thin during this show. Me too. I remember being like self conscious that I wasn't skinny. If I could go back to fourteen year old Amanda, I would do it in a heartbeat. <laughs> but also that it was just like the most fun. Like that kind of dancing gets me really amped, and it I miss that so much because. The shows we did after that in high school weren't as dance heavy. And for in college. Us. They weren't as dance heavy for us. There was right. there was some dancing in them, but we were always cast in, in different roles. Great. Let's wrap this puppy up, Amanda. Who would you want to play if you could do Grease again at the age of what you are now? How old am I, Sam? 24. 5. I'm 25. You're 25. You're full. Um, it's easy. I would be Jan... In a heartbeat. She gets the easiest go of it. Okay, but I could eat Twinkies like the whole show. <laughs> and I think I would do so. I mean, like, I want to say Rizzo, <laughs> but realistically, if I was to audition for a professional Grease performance right now, I think I would get cast as Jan. Because I sure. can also easily sing it. It's not hard. <laughs> so, what about you? Well, I've actually been lucky enough to get, I've been offered the role of Roger a couple times. Um, but I have not been able to do it. Uh, but if you stick around and if all goes as planned, you might get to see me in that role sometime very soon. So stick what? around. Yeah, we'll talk about it later. Mm, I love sharing things. <laughs> um, I know we usually at the end of our episode, at the end of our shows, wrap up the show with like a little quote from the show. But to be honest, the grease is not very deep. Uh... So I think guess all I'd have to say to wrap up the show in a nutshell is a wop babaluba. I think if I had to wrap up the show, it would be oh double doo doo! I dropped one of my diamonds <laughs> in the macaroni. <laughs> I love Marty so much. man off, man. Is that is that is that a line in the show too? Did you have yeah. to say that? No, but I remember saying, "Do these glasses make me look smarter?" That's a great line. That's, That's a, great, a line. great line. Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah, I can't believe we've already wrapped up our second episode. Yeah, next Stay up. Tuned. Just wait. Next, we've got some very fun stuff coming at you in the next few weeks. Yeah, let me tell you, there's no way to stop it. There is no way to stop it. Mm-mm. <laughs> all right, thank you all for listening. We will be back next week with another fun episode. Um, grab a cocktail. Yes. Slide on a cast album, and we will see you next time on Buzz Broadway. Bye, friends. If you like what you heard on today's episode, be sure to leave us a rating and review. Want to support Buzzed Broadway? Head to anchor.fm to learn more. If you need more Buzzed Broadway shenanigans in your life, follow us on Instagram at at Podcast. Buzz Broadway is conceived and hosted by Amanda Harrington and Sam St. Jean. Editing by Amanda Harrington. Original music by Carl Pariso with musical arrangements by Patrick Doro. As always, thank you to our sponsors, to Anchor, and to you, our listeners. See you next time. No one knows. Far it go. <laughs> Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud 
with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There is enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 